On this prequel episode, we have our Breaking Dawn Part 2 fan poll follow-ups. We're learning about the trope of Mean Girl Gangs, and we're previewing The Click. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit podcast, where we talk about books that are based on movies. It's a prequel episode, back to a normal schedule, after we've wrapped up our summer series. We got some feedback for Breaking Dawn Part 2 that we're going to get into, but first, we've got our patron shoutouts. No new patrons this week, but we do have all of our Academy Award winners, and they are Winchester's Never Die, Kelly Napier, Gray Hightower, Eli Young's Gratch, Just Gratch, Shelby Says Black Lives and Trans Lives Matter, I Still Don't Like Twilight, But I Understand It a Lot Better, and Alina Dolutkolova. Appreciate that name change there. That is our patron <laughs> who changes pretty often. Most of the uh, most for most of the prequels, they they get a the, the name change in. Uh, you don't have to. I, there's still. I I don't know if I like Twilight. To be fair, now having experienced it for the first time, mm-hmm. but I don't hate it. I hate parts of it. <laughs> I like other elements of it. Uh, but you do. Yeah, I understand it's it more. It's better to have an informed opinion. Yes, an informed than um, to just dislike. <laughs> to just go off of the decade-old memes. Yes, for sure. Uh, thank you all very much. As always, if you want to be a patron, you can head to Patreon Patreon.com slash this film is lit. Support us for two, five, fifteen bucks a month. You get different things at each level. You can learn about what those are at patreon.com. But now, let's hear what people had to say about Breaking Dawn Part 2. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, so on Facebook, we had a couple of votes, three votes. Two of them were for the movie. One was for the book. We also had a few comments. Um, Tarn said... The movie wins over the book from the battle of the, from the vision battle alone. In the book, there was all this buildup for something which ultimately never had a real climax, and it was a letdown. Don't disagree. Okay, it was our favorite parts of the well, my favorite part of the movie, pretty yeah. much. It, it was actually yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, uh, Luciana said, "Have to give this one to the book for all the little details of Bella as a vampire. Totally sucked me in back in the day. I've read it more times than is probably healthy. That was my favorite part of the book. Yeah. So there you go. And Anthony said, like my vote in the New Moon poll, my vote goes to Michael Sheen over both the book and the movie. The creepy laugh alone is almost enough for its own vote. Which I did put that in the episode. Good. people that listen, that is in there. Over on Twitter, we had nine votes. Six of them were for the movie and three for the book. Um, so kind of a similar Dis- distribution. Yeah, distribution so there. The, the movie won. Movie, I yeah, expect- movie won out overall. I expected that, to be honest. I, I thought I was going to pick the movie uh-huh. um, and just slightly edged to the book. But yeah, I, I figured that would be the less popular vote. Yeah, and, and I think we kind of discussed a little bit, but at this point in the series, probably more people have seen the movie. Yeah. Than have read the book. I would also say that I think if you, if I was to compare the entire book, if I was to pick either the entire book or the two movies combined, mm-hmm. I would pick the two movies combined. Yeah, yeah. But I only because I picked I picked the movie over the book in the first part, mm-hmm. um, and I only picked the book over the movie barely in the second part. And I think altogether I would pick the movies over the book. So that makes sense. 
We also had some comments on Twitter. Um, at April Admansky said, I remember being really disappointed with the book. The buildup and anticipation were better. The movie is quite slow in the middle. Mm-hmm. But the thing that we were waiting to happen, the whole book doesn't happen. <laughs> it's a great, funny, bad movie. Saw it in theaters three times. Violence A+. Absolutely. And I would like to think that one day, no such thing as a bad movie pod will do Breaking Dawn Part 2. I would enjoy hearing their <laughs> opinions on it. I'm 99% certain they haven't. I haven't seen it in my feed, unless they did it as like a bonus patron episode or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would enjoy hearing that April, so that's my recommendation to Breaking <laughs> Dawn Part 2. I want to hear Colin's information, because Colin works in the video effects industry, and I would like to hear some of his input on some of the VFX. Mm-hmm. Me. I think that would be fun. Anyways. Uh, the son of Skyrim at Dragonborn 2008 said, as much as I like a final battle with a part two, like Harry Potter, this one sort of let me down. I never read the book, but the movie is my favorite out of the saga. But the final battle in the end was a huge disappointment. It goes from epic to just a vision. Now, this, this, is, is, an this is an opinion that I have seen expressed fairly frequently that it's disappointing that it didn't actually happen. That's only I got to imagine that's only for people who didn't read the book. Yeah. Or not maybe not only, but primarily for people who didn't read the book who who cuz that that is like the thing people always make fun of and joke about and you know I've heard people kind of rip on is like they have this big epic battle but then they just undo it. It didn't actually happen. Mm-hmm. And people are like, "What?" And so and, and from a not from just a movie going experience, I can totally see that. Having read the book and not expecting any of that to happen, and then it does, even though, and then they give still give you the book version. I enjoyed as a mm-hmm. book, like you know, uh, sort of as an, uh, a sort of a trick in the adaptation. I thought was interesting, but I can totally see as just a moviegoer being like, "What? Yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, I get that." Kelly Napier at Standby for Live said, going with the movie here because I've always struggled with reading battles. I can follow much better what's going on if I have a visual to follow. And I also think it's tough enough anyways, but we've talked about it numerous times that it's one of of, of Stephanie Meyer's strong, stronger skills in the in writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, writing action and, and battles is not one no, of them. No, um, We've always yeah. had trouble following. Yeah, no, from book one yeah. on. We mentioned it in the very first action, quote-unquote, sequence where she gets almost gets hit by the yeah. truck. We talked at length about how confusing it was to read. Yeah, Stephanie Meyer does not have, I guess, the talent for she's she's not she's not it's not in her wheelhouse she's not particularly good at like setting up where everything is in the scene yeah so that we're able to understand yeah the forthcoming action yeah which is something that is vital yeah and when you're writing action and it's a tough skill and it is you know because we talked at length too about how what how other skills she does have sort of with the body horror and and Mm -hmm. and sort of the being inside Bella's head and experiencing this weird transformation scene, how well-written that was and how um, gripping that, that was. I I don't disagree either that the, even the short sort of short quote unquote, like beginning of the battle that we get in the book is also still confusing as to what exactly is happening. Like when, when, when Benjamin rips the ravine, I was like, okay, where's the, what, 
are there people approaching them? Why did he like it? Just it, you know, the, I you, it is kind of tough to follow what all is happening, even mm-hmm. in the very short sort of limited scope we get in the book. If she had done a full on battle, and maybe been, that's why. But I, maybe that is why she maybe, didn't do that. Maybe she's like, I can't do this. Maybe you by guys. This, yeah, maybe by this point the editors were like, look, it's it's you got less fighting, <laughs> less action. Just you you do the other stuff pretty okay. Let's not have like a big battle scene because it'll not translate it will not read well that would be interesting if that was part of the reason and our last comment from at shelby suderman who said i picked the book because while the movie battle is fun i felt like the scenes i enjoyed in the second half of breaking dawn like the arm wrestling match and the final scene were done better in the book for me it's the little character details that make those scenes and the book is better at including them I also preferred the book's version of watching Bella adjust to being a vampire. Did anyone else notice that after Bella starts wearing brown contacts around Charlie in the movie, her vampire eyes are always amber like the rest of the Collins from then on, even though everyone still calls her a newborn? Because that drove me nuts. I did notice that. I didn't make a note of it, but I yeah. did because of a million other notes. It's just so impossible to catch every little detail. But I did actually note when I, know, I saw I, this I noticed comment. That too. I noticed it. Yeah, that her eyes just are, are like gold and amber when in the book they're red. Yeah, seemingly well, they're, the supposed, rest of they're the, supposed to stay red for a, like a full year. Yeah, for quite some time yeah. before, uh, even if they are only doing a vegetarian diet, even still they stay red for quite a while, according to the lore in the book. And yeah, the movie was like. Mm. The movie just decided they didn't want to bother with that. Yep. Which I don't know. Was is that something that would be done? Like giving her red eyes? Is that a contact? You could lenses? do either. A contacts could either has. They both have their merits. Contacts mm-hmm. you don't have to deal with doing it afterward. It's 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 just there. Um, but then obviously the actor has to deal with it and mm-hmm. depending on how like sensitive their eyes are, you know, that, like that can cause its own issues. Some people have issues with wearing contacts and stuff. Um, you can also do it afterwards and post relatively easy. It's and, and for the budget of this movie, they probably could have done it that way. And now it maybe it was. I mean, once you're changing the color of somebody's eyes, it doesn't matter what you're changing them to. Yeah, the, it, like in post, it's they right. could have made them red if if they did it in post. They could have just made them red just as easily. So I don't I don't know what the reason behind that would have been, other than just maybe a a creative decision to make her look like the Collins. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it is kind of creepy. Maybe they just didn't want their heroine to yeah. have, like, glowing crimson eyes. That's for... what I'm thinking. You know, maybe they just <laughs> sort of... And maybe because of the fact that she doesn't behave like a newborn, they sort of, in any other way, basically, yeah. they sort of decided to make the creative decision to just also make her reflect visually mm-hmm. uh, uh, not a newborn, potentially. I don't know. But yeah, because that is a change from the book, though, that that I did notice that I thought was a little strange. Alrighty, thank you everybody for all your feedback. Much appreciated. I hope you enjoyed the 2020 summer series. We sure did. Uh, and one more quick little thing over on Patreon, we did do a drawing. Uh, if you are a patron, go ahead and check that out. Uh, we did a drawing for a poster that came in our movie, a special edition of the book that I read. <laughs> uh, a, a little movie poster in the back. Uh, we're going to sign that and ship that out uh, to the winner that we drew uh, live, not live, in a video. Um, and posted that on Patreon. So uh, that's some of the other stuff you might get access to, other kind of things like that in the future. If you are a patron, um, we did that winning, that drawing for our patrons only um, and for people who commented on the post about it. 
Uh, so yeah, go see who won, and you'll be getting a an autographed sweet, 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 sweet Breaking Dawn Part Two, or no, just Breaking Dawn uh, movie poster, or maybe it is a Part Two poster. I don't even know. I think it is specifically a Part Two poster, but it's just in the Breaking Dawn book. That's yeah. interesting. They must have re-released it for Breaking Dawn Part Two or something like that. I don't know. Who knows? Anyways, <laughs> let's move on with our learning things segment. It's trope time. We're learning about Mean Girl gangs. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. So I wanted to talk about this trope, not only because it is relevant to the book slash movie, mm-hmm. obviously. Yep. It's called The Click. Yep. But because it's a trope that fascinates me because, like, at least in my experience, it's something that's generally more fictional than it is real life. Like, I I don't know what your experience was, but there was not, like, a mean girl popular group that, like, ruled the school when I was... Like, there were popular girls. Yeah. Not that, like, ruled the school, I guess. But but there was, like, the popular, like, the cheerleaders group-ish generally in my high school. At least from my memory, and it's been a while. (laughs) But there was... And and, and I don't know if... I See, here's the thing. I didn't interact with them, so I don't know what, like the whole vibe was with them. I only interacted with them in passing now and then because I was part of the band (laughs) group. (laughs) I have always felt like this was one of those tropes that gives away that all writers were unpopular and uncool in high school. It's possible, yeah. It's very, I mean, it would make sense. It would track, yeah. Yeah, I, I, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the, what the whole inner, what the environment was like. Because, yeah, I, I was hanging out with band kids, so... Like, the popular girls at my school, I don't know, some of them were kind of bitchy. Like, I probably wouldn't have wanted to be friends with them, but they weren't, like, Regina George. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And ours, from my memory, my high school, too, was always, uh, there there wasn't as much cliques in the same way as you see. They obviously play it up in movies. Yeah. But, like, there was, it was a little more intermingled than Yeah, it's always a little more nebulous in real life, I think. Yeah. Anyway, so I wanted to talk about this trope because it does interest me. Um, I'm calling it Mean Girl Gangs because mm-hmm. I felt that was something that most people would hear and like recognize what trope I'm referring to. Yeah. If you want to look it up on TV tropes, they've actually divided it into like two different interconnected tropes, the alpha bitch and the girl posse. Mm. Okay. Um. My other reason for renaming it is because I didn't want to write alpha bitch all over our graphics. (laughs) Yeah. Just, you know. Um, I also wanted to talk about these things kind of more as a unit because I feel like you very rarely see one of these tropes without the other one. Yeah, I I would say so. Yeah. Generally, they seem to go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So if you have a piece of media set in middle school or in high school and it's focusing on preteen or teen girls, there's almost always, almost always, almost always a crew of evil popular girls. Yes. And it's classic trope form. These girls are usually the embodiment of everything that we're typically told is quote unquote bad about teenage girls. They're very girly obsessed with their looks their clothes their social status um they obsess about dating equally popular boys they might even be presented as the whore side of the virgin whore dichotomy usually opposite to the pure or virginal female protagonist um 
the girls, or at least the alphabet, the head one, are usually wealthy, often in contrast to the poor, working class, or otherwise normal protagonist. Mm-hmm. And they're also mean. Yeah, I would go without saying. Um, typically existing within the narrative of the story as the antagonist, not always the primary antagonist, but these types of characters are usually at the very least bullies, mm-hmm. right? Um, the makeup of these groups of girls is usually fairly specific. While you do sometimes get an alpha bitch who exists more or less on her own, like 99.9% of the time she'll have a posse along with her, even if they aren't named characters. If you think of Pansy Parkinson from Mm -hmm. Harry Potter, she's often described as being surrounded or like flanked by a couple other Slytherin girls. She's the only one we ever interact with. Mm -hmm. Although I would would bet good money she'd be a higher tier villain if the series had been from Hermione's perspective. True. Very possible. But anyway, the girl in charge, the alpha bitch, uh, think Libby from the 1990s Sabrina the Teenage Witch series, or Heather C. from Heathers, and of course, Regina George from Mean Girls. Uh, Mean Girls is a good example of the classic Mean Girl gang makeup, mostly because the entire point of that movie is to explore this trope. Um, the mean girl gang makeup, um, you have the alpha bitch, Regina, the beta bitch, Gretchen Wieners, and the brainless beauty, mm-hmm. Karen Smith. Um, the protagonist might even sometimes be part of the game, maybe a new girl suckered in like Katie Heron or a reluctant follower like Veronica and Heathers. And that three girl triangle is the classic mean girl gang setup. Of course, there are exceptions, but the total number of girls in the gang usually doesn't surpass five, probably because that would be a lot of characters to keep track of. That makes sense. Three is a good number. Five. You want an uneven number. Mm -hmm. One, so you can do like a flying V shot down a hallway. Mm -hmm. Walk down a hall flanked by, you know, the alphabet in front with them flanked like a flock of geese (laughs) (laughs) or the mighty ducks. Uh, But yeah, you want an uneven number usually. And yeah, three to five, you can keep track of anything more than that. It gets it's too many people. Mm-hmm. One other thing that I find endlessly interesting about this trope is how often the writers feel compelled to have the girls give themselves a club name. The Plastics, the Heathers, the Pink Ladies, mm-hmm. and in the click, the Pretty Committee. Wow. I know. What a name. Uh, to me, this is one of the biggest elements that makes this trope feel fictional, only nerds give themselves group names. Yeah. I can say this because I was a nerd, and yes, my friends and I had a group name. I do wonder, though, if you say only nerds give themselves group names, I think secretly everybody's a nerd, and I wouldn't be surprised mm. if maybe actually... Now, maybe they wouldn't talk about it as much, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't more common than maybe you thought that those groups had sort of nicknames for their... I don't know. I don't know. I was I'm never just, popular, so no, I cannot say for I, sure. Same. I don't. I couldn't tell you. And I, we, I, none of my friend groups had names for our groups. But I do think that it maybe isn't just a nerd thing. Well, I, I would say I would argue still that everybody's a nerd in their own way and different things. But I, I do think it is interesting though, because I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is kind of a part of this trope that they have like a name yes it it very much is yeah for sure 
Now, in my opinion, this trope is at its most interesting when it's subverted or otherwise played around with. For example, the movie Clueless sets up the typical triangle format, Alpha Share, Beta Dion, and Brainless Beauty slash New Girl tie. Mm -hmm. However, in addition to being the protagonist instead of the antagonist, Cher is also genuinely a good person, um, if a little bit spoiled and shallow. Another fun, and I was looking ahead to make sure you didn't have it here, another fun sort of, it, and this isn't the girl gang part, but maybe just the alpha, I don't know, um, in Buffy, mm-hmm. uh, and now I'm not, I can't remember. Oh, anybody. Cordelia. Cordelia. Yeah, she starts, starts off as, as like a mean girl. As a mean girl trope. Which I don't remember if she has like lackeys. Yeah, I don't remember At the either. beginning. She remember. might, but I don't think we ever really get to know them. But I mean, that's, uh, that's Joss Whedon's big thing is, you know, sort of playing with those kind of tropes and yeah so, yeah, yeah there's a subversion where she eventually becomes, becomes part of, part group of the group and, yeah. yeah uh the book and book and tv series pretty little liars gives us a girl posse that checks a lot of the boxes a group of shallow wealthy girls obsessed with fashion and social status but the series plays with the trope by taking away the group's alpha allison and following the rest of the girls as protagonists They're still kind of mean girls, um, but we do get to know them a lot more than we typically do with these kinds of characters. Allison's the one who dies, right? Quote unquote, unquote, at the beginning. Yeah, she's the the one one who's gone and they're trying to figure out. She's the one who's allegedly dead at the beginning. Yes, I'm aware that it's probably a million. I know it's like, yeah. I watched like four seasons of that show. And eventually I couldn't follow it anymore. I was it's, like, this I, is it, too much. I heard it got nuts, but I, 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 I think I've only seen it. I've seen a handful of episodes, but I've never watched like any of it with any consistency. So, No, I've never read any of the click books. I uh, didn't read them when they were popular. Um, it's a genre that I was never super into. Uh, plus, I was a little bit older than the target audience when they were coming out. Um, but I'm interested to see how this property presents its mean girl gang. Will it do anything interesting with the trope or will it be the usual fare? Hmm. You can find out on our main episode Boom. next week. Look at that. What a setup. Fantastic. That's our learning thing segment. Let's go ahead and talk about the click, the book series. When you see me walking down the hall. Wait! I lost an earring! Nobody move! From the New York Times best-selling book series by Lisey Harrison, meet The Click. Do you guys know where room 41 is? Claire, did I invite you to my BBQ? No. Then why are you all up in my grill? <laughs> the only thing harder than getting in. What about this? Mom? At OCD, fashion is a fine art and true form of self-expression. Okay, okay. Is staying in. I didn't realize Peter Pan was holding auditions today. I hope we get the part. So The Click is a 2004 young adult slash middle grade novel by Lissy? Lisi? I don't know. Oof, yeah, I don't know. L-I-S-I. That's a tough one. Lissy Harrison. Lissy. Yeah. Uh, it's the title of the first book as well as the umbrella title of the entire series, which includes 15 books in the main series, 
uh, five additional books set in the same world called like the summer series or something like that a spin-off series called the alphas which i thought would maybe be about like the boy version of the click but yeah. i looked and it doesn't seem like it is mm. and a guide to the series is teen speak terminology and trivia titled clictionary wow i know so the series revolves around five girls who like i said are known as the pretty committee they are the popular clique at the fictional all-girls middle school Octavian Country Day. Octavian, huh? Apparently. More a, on that later. Oh, is there more on that later? On Octavian? On the, the that school was my name, nickname yeah. in college. So I know. That's a, woof, that's a whole story <laughs> for not another day that I'm never going to tell. Anyways, moving on. Uh, the novels have also been adapted into a series of graphic novels, as well as a video game called The Click, Dis and Makeup. Do you know what... Okay, you. I, I didn't bring my phone. I need to know what that video game is. <laughs> it's all, all right. good. No, you don't have to look it up. I just wanted to know... I want to know how, like, what it, what it, how it plays. Like, what is it? It's like a point-and-click adventure. It's like a, um, like a, uh, like similar to like a Japanese dating sim or something. Or, I bet it's on Game Boy Advance because those kind of weird games are always on Game Boy Advance. Uh, <laughs> hang on. Dis and makeup. I'm trying to think what that that Says subtitle has to be. It was for Nintendo DS. Oh, okay, so close. I, I said Game Boy Advance, but that yeah, that's the wrong period. So yeah, DS. That's Nintendo handheld still. So I was close. Um, they do a lot of weird games like that on. In Nintendo order to handheld. rise from the new kid to Queen Bee, players will navigate the halls of OCD. Mm building relationships and gossiping about what is hot and what is not. Oh, my goodness. Play through a collection of entertaining mini-games mini to okay. become the alpha girl. Okay. It's a mini-game based. All right. It's interesting. I don't have a DS or I would try to find that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can play it for patrons. purchase it for $29.95 plus $3.99 shipping on Amazon. It's way too expensive. I don't have a DS, though, unfortunately. Okay, sorry, continue. <laughs> so I found some notes about how this series came to be, which sounds an awful lot like uh, studio-created bands. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or like a K-pop group. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, kind of. Uh, so the book packaging subdivision of Alloy Online, which focuses on the teen market, um, came up with this idea for the series after they became interested in developing an in-house franchise. Hmm. Um, so they're probably trying to capitalize off of the popularity of something else that was yeah. big at that time. I don't even know what it would have been because I think that was a little bit before Pretty Little Liars. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, 2004? 2004. Was yeah, that? Yeah, I think it was a little bit before. I think Pretty Little Liars was more like 2008-ish. When, when were the Gossip, maybe Gossip Girl, Girl books Girl, maybe, big? Yeah. I don't know. Enough. Wait, is the know. Gossip Girl series a reboot? I have no idea. I don't know. Anything I don't know. This, like I said, this is not a genre I was into, so I never read any of these. Yeah. Um, okay, first novel, Gossip Girl, released in April 2002. So they might have been trying to pop, to, yeah, yeah, go off of the popularity of that. Oh, anyway, um, so they approached our friend uh, Lissy or Lisi 
Ms. Harrison. Ms. Harrison. <laughs> who was at the time working as a writer for MTV, and they approached her about producing a series of youth novels. She apparently said of this proposal, always being a closeted wannabe author, I jumped at the opportunity. Opportunity. I loved the idea. Now, take this with a grain of internet, because I couldn't get back to a still existing source to back this up. But apparently, Harrison has also said that she wrote the book as a, quote, joke, even going so far as to purposefully name her fictional school OCD, which I, I don't know, like, what the joke there is, really. <laughs> What's but I joke? felt like I should bring that up because it is kind of yikesy. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the joke is. I mean, we have discussed before that the early 2000s were kind of a godless lawless yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we back then we 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 were we were we were, we were just, not okay. No, we were no, not even a little bit. It's we've come a long way in the last 10 years. <laughs> Um, so society. yeah, so I, I'm not really sure what the joke is, but apparently the, this is a thing that I found on Wikipedia, and when I went to the source, it no longer existed. So. I mean, it's even still, yeah, it's definitely, and it's you know, sort of playing mental um, health uh, issues that people deal with as jokes is even five years ago was like not. Yeah. An outlandish thing. That yeah. People have finally started to come around on, uh, you know, every, people are, yeah. But yeah, it, it, that, uh, yeah, it's not even a joke. That's the point. It's like, it's like what, there's no joke. What's the joke? Yeah. Like what, but I, I don't know. Maybe I'll start reading this book and one of the characters will have like a really offensive portrayal of OC. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, um, in reviewing the first novel, uh, reviewers remarked on the behavior of the characters, with Publishers Weekly noting that it ta takes cliquish, snobbish behavior to Hollywood extremes, and School Library Journal saying that the cruelty of the clique is not redeemed with any sort of satisfying ending, nice. which bodes well. Can't wait. Hope the movie is um, Spiro News said, at first, it's easy to hate this book and the shallow materialism that these characters embody. On the other hand, they're so impossible to take seriously that you have to laugh at them. These girls are 13 going on 30, which is a phrase that I hate. Mm. Um, despite all of that, the click was selected as a quick pick for reluctant young adult readers by Young Adult Library Services Association in 2005. These did get fairly popular. Like, I remember people reading them. Yeah, we've, we've had a few people comment and say they're excited about this, but I yeah. had never even heard of it. So, yeah, obviously, I was not remotely the target demo. <laughs> but <laughs> Which, I mean, if they, they were capitalizing off of stuff that was popular at the time, and the books, from what I understand, are fairly short yeah. i imagine they're not extremely taxing reads yeah. so that would make sense um the click the first book never hit the charts uh, but the second installment in the series best friends for never reached the new york times bestseller list in early february of 2005 but it only remained there for one week interesting so. all right that was a little bit about the click novel series let's go ahead and talk about the movie. Have you ever kissed a boy? Hey! Watch where you're going! Ooh. Claire, 
Would you rather be a friendless loser or a person with tons of friends who secretly hate you? I guess I'd rather be the friendless loser. Congrats, we got your wish. Claire, wait. You don't have to go. Have to? I want to. This fall. Break. Into the click. For the record, I'd rather be a friendless loser than have a bunch of friends who secretly hate me. Tyra Banks presents The Click. Directed by Michael Lembeck. Ow! Juicy hoodie, no punch bags. I have almost nothing. Uh, this movie is, uh, I mean, it was direct to TV. I was, I produced like, for television. It's a video, like it wasn't released in theaters. It had a very, uh, it has very few, we'll get into it, but uh, there was nothing out there. I could find nothing about this movie. It is a 2008 film directed by Michael Limbick, who is best known, uh, for directing 24 episodes of friends. Uh, the 2010, the rock film tooth fairy. Uh, and the Santa Claus Three, the Escape Clause. That's quite the pedigree. <laughs> this, yeah, I mean, done more than I have in Hollywood, but uh, not exactly a, uh, a household name by any stretch. It was written or adapted by Liz Tegelar, uh, who uh, has written on Little Fires Everywhere, um, which I've not seen. It's a TV show. I haven't I seen it. I believe it's Reese Witherspoon in it. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Once upon a time, she's written. She's written. She's written a handful of, ep- like, a couple of episodes for a lot of TV shows. Like, she had, like, two episodes of Once Upon a Time, two episodes of Nashville, two episodes of this, but, like, a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. She also produced produced a bunch of stuff. The film stars Elizabeth McLaughlin, uh, Ellen Marlowe, Sophie Ann Everhard, and Samantha Boscarino, all of whom's most known for is this movie. So, no, nobody that I recognize and... Literally, they're most known for on IMDb was all of this film, so not been in a ton of stuff. Um, there are a couple people in this. Um, Those were like the top five films yeah. on IMDb. I don't know if they're like the main. There are a couple people in this who, like, I think went on to be in pretty popular like Disney Channel and Nickelodeon. I did shows. a couple of those people were in like a handful of episodes of some Disney Channel shows or something, but I don't like. I think it was Sophie Ann Everhard maybe was in. Somebody I looked up was in a couple episodes of some show, Disney show or Nick show that I'd never heard of. Um, Bridget Mendler. Okay. Was I didn't get to her then. in this and she was in, I want to say Good Luck Charlie on Disney Channel. Somebody was in Good Luck, uh, yeah. somebody else was in Good Luck Charlie. I didn't know what that was. I, and, is that a uh, thing? <laughs> that a I don't know. It was, I, I, it was a little bit after my time yeah. watching Disney Channel, but I think it ran for a while. Okay. So, um, and then uh, Elizabeth Gillies, I believe, is how you pronounce her name, was on um, Victorious on oh, Nickelodeon. Okay. I've at least heard of that one. Yeah. Um, are, these were the top five build on IMDb. I don't know if they're actually the top five build, the, and they all looked like the same age. Mm-hmm. They looked like they could be the main characters. I don't know yeah. if they were or not. It's tough. IMDb doesn't always... <laughs> that's part of the thing with IMDb that's tough with the billing because they don't always put the top... It's not always like these are the main right, yeah. characters. Yeah. It's like they could be by order of appearance or something. And then it's like, uh, like the janitor shows up first for five <laughs> seconds and they're top build. But anyways, the film was uh, not produced but distributed by Bankable Productions 
which is Tyra Banks production company. Uh, this appears to be their only film, hmm. uh, but they are behind uh, America's Next Top Model and The Tyra Banks Show, among other things, which obviously makes sense. This movie has zero reviews on Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic. Uh, it has a 5.1 out of 10 on IMDb with 5,400 reviews. So that's what I mean when I was like, it's not, because I believe like, so Dolan's Cadillac was a movie we did that had very few reviews mm-hmm. and I believe it had close to 10,000. So in that ballpark on IMDb. So it's, it's not a super well-known, but apparently some people for the right, for the right age range, the right age bracket, the right demographic, I'm sure it yeah. was, it's uh, more popular. Probably remembered fondly. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. In the same way that uh, for, like, me, like, um, like the luck of the Irish. Yeah. That, like, that terrible Disney movie where the kid, like... Is, the Disney Channel. Those Disney I, Channel originals. I, watched, I rewatched a bunch of Disney Channel original movies while you were out of town yeah. last week. Like those, yeah, the luck <laughs> of the Irish or the, the, the Brink. Yeah. I think Brink was one of them. Anyways, those kind of movies. I'm sure, like, you know, younger the younger kids, older people would have no idea what those movies are. But for uh, in our age range, watched a bunch of those growing up. Anyways, last fun fact. It's not, it's just a weird thing that I saw. Uh, the tagline for this movie, apparently, is, quote, the only thing harder than getting in is staying in, end quote. And I assume that means the click. I guess so. So there you go. I literally, there was no nothing about this movie. <laughs> the production, the production notes on pr- Wikipedia were filming began in Rhode Island in 2008 and finished in January of 2009 or something like that. That was it. <laughs> All right. Uh, we do have our ways to watch where you can watch this. As always, check your local library. And if you still have a video, video rental store in your area, go check with them. Family video. I think there's one blockbuster left somewhere. Oh, yeah, the last blockbuster. The last blockbuster, blockbuster yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, go check out your local uh, video rental store. Um, but be safe, uh, obviously. Uh, Netflix, is it's available on Netflix in the U.S., mm-hmm. which is where we're going to watch it. Yes, it's it is. exciting. I'm glad it's on Netflix or somewhere easy to get to. Well, after all of the debacles with Twilight. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Twilight um, out here playing musical chairs. Unfortunately, you know, we should look. I don't know. We should at least look. We have quite a few listeners in Canada. We should probably look and see where things are available in Canada as well. I think they're our second largest. Like, like seventy five percent of our listeners are in the U.S., but I think it's there's not an insignificant number in Canada. But anyways, I'm gonna be real. I just don't know how to check if something is available yeah, in either. Canada. I don't know either. I'm not sure either. I have no idea how to do that. Let's ask April for every single movie we do. <laughs> Is this where we're going to watch this in Canada? Uh, you can also rent it through Amazon Prime for $2 or YouTube Movies for $2. There you go. That's all the stuff. That's the prequel. Uh, this should be fun. <laughs> it'll be wacky, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm interested to... Uh, I think it'll be a fun... Uh, I'll have to take a lot less notes than normal. It'll be a, lot, <laughs> it'll be a nice break. It's nice, relaxing come down after Twilight. Uh, and just hours and hours of notes and episodes. So, uh, you can come back in one week's time. We're talking about the click. And until that time, guys, gals, non binary, everybody else. Keep reading books, watching movies, and keep being awesome. awesome.